right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We are brought to you by T-Mobile. T-Mobile has amazing deals for everyone at any of the Lawrence locations. Don't choose between value or coverage. Get both with T-Mobile. The Kansas City Chiefs have two new members to the team drafting two first-round picks, and they didn't end up staying in both their spots, but they still wound up with two first-round picks. They scooted up um, to get uh, to pick 21. Third where, and fourth to do that, right? Yeah, give up a third and a fourth. They still have a third and a fourth, and they still also have two seconds. So uh, day two is today, second and third. They'll have two seconds and a third. Obviously, they could end up trading some stuff. We'll wait and see. Uh, but they ended up trading up for a corner out of Washington, Trent McDuffie, and then they sat tight at pick number 30 and took George Karloftis, a edge player, I'd assume be a defensive end in the Chiefs scheme, um, out of Purdue. And both these guys are guys that, like, Karloftis was kind of popping up in that, like, 15 to low 20s range in mock drafts, um, and McDuffie was a guy that, you know, he was popping up based on where you would see. If you look at, like, rankings as opposed to mock drafts, he was somewhere between that, like, 12 to 19 range. So it seemed like the Chiefs got good value on both players, and um, they went with two non-receivers, which is important to note. I would expect a receiver to go at some point today to the Chiefs. But, yeah, once, once that run on receivers went, it became pretty clear for the Chiefs unless they were willing to trade up into that, like, teens range, which obviously they didn't end up doing. Uh, receiver wasn't going to be in the cards in night one. Yeah, we'll talk. And I, I, I have spent the last two weeks forgetting this guy's name. The kid with the torn ACL from Alabama, Jamison Williams. Williams, and you saw how high the the Lions had to trade up. And we'll talk more about the draft as a whole uh, later on today. Uh, but it, I just I bring that up as how it relates to the Chiefs. Um, you know, they would have had to jump to to get a receiver that they probably had graded high. Um, you know, I think that the the um, uh, Burks went, uh, I think, at 17th. So, I mean, a lot of those mm-hmm. receivers were gone, by the, like you said, by the time the 20s hit. Um, I'll say this for the Chiefs, and, and look, they're never, they'll they'll never come out and say, no, this guy, you know, McDuffie was our third cornerback. They're always, you know, they're always going to be super, you know, say that they really had him graded high. But my point is, if they, if they, graded him let's just say theoretically they graded him more like 10th or 11th and they were right then they got even more value um but i do believe very much so in the first round you trade up you have to get it right mm-hmm. like you have to get it right and i'm not gonna you know if if um if, Mc, if uh, mcduffie uh flames out and but the chiefs are still you know, I, I've kind of said this before. You know, but the rest of the picks hit, and the Chiefs win a couple more Super Bowls. That's it, fine. Nobody's going to care. You're not. It's not like a fireable offense if the rest of your picks hit and you're still winning championships. But in general, in general, with those exceptions, you have to hit on this guy. He has to be not like a Hall of Famer, but 
he better be you better sign him to a second contract right. and he better be worthy of that second contract. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they didn't give up like a you know, it wasn't mortgaging the future necessarily. No, but it's not what they gave up for Mahomes. No, no. But certainly when you have a draft that is known for being deep and is known for having good players in the third and fourth round, like that is a risk to trade up for that guy, especially when you see some other corners kind of go in that range or Andrew Booth who's still available today. Um that just makes you think that you know, I don't know. Could we have, have done this or that? But um, I guess they go out and get the guy they, they wanted. And, I mean, by some places, he is a guy who was kind of around that, that 12 to 15 range and where he was he was kind of rated this year. I mean, last time the Chiefs went out and drafted a corner in the first round from Washington, worked out okay. Now, they didn't give him a second contract, but that who was, was he? Uh, Marcus Peters. That was not because oh, that's of— that's right. He did go to Washington. Yeah. That, I never—I didn't put two and two together until well, he that got just kicked now. off Washington, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, like, for punching a coach. Right, whereas Trent McDuffie— is like very opposite of that by all accounts. Like everything I've read on this kid, scouting reports and stuff, like this is the kid that um, is leading workouts. He's a leader for the team. He's a guy who is in watching film really? night in, night out. He is the guy who is like trying to get other teammates to do those things with him. Um, that he is a good teammate in the locker room. So different from that standpoint. Uh, one thing is he's still, I mean, he's not horrifically undersized, but he's 5'11. Right. And that's not terrible for a cornerback. Um, but I just bring that up that if you are, that doesn't surprise me. I hadn't read as mm -hmm. in depth as, as you have on him, but that doesn't surprise me because if you're somewhat undersized and you're good enough to be top, you know, that means you're really good at the little, at, at the details, right. the, the, you know, the, your footwork, those sorts of things. You're really good at the details, um, because he has got to be a, a freak athlete because he's a, you know. First, he's an all-American football player, so he's got to be a great athlete. But on top of that, you know, he's still five eleven. Um, that doesn't surprise me that he, you know, if if he's that, if he's five eleven, but he went this high, that that suggests to you that he is a guy who really focuses on every on on little details, which is yeah. He'll fit in right in with this locker room if that's the case. Yeah, and I know he, we're going to play his audio of him meeting with the media later on in the show, and one of the things he brought up is a guy that he kind of looked up to and tries to emulate some of his game on is Tyron Matthew. And okay. that's kind of the talk that this kid could be used because you still have Rashad Fenton and Legereus Sneed that this kid could be used in kind of that slot corner role as an undersized guy where he's kind of that safety corner hybrid yeah. type. and. It, he, he allowed – so a lot of teams didn't even target him in the passing game last year. Washington was really bad defending the run, so that's part of it. The teams would just run up and down the throat on, on them. He only was targeted 36 times last year, and of those 36, he only gave up completions on 40-something percent of them. That's and among all of those, he was uh, – like pretty much either every time – like the longest pass he gave up was 19-yarder. Um, most of the passes that he gave up were either incomplete or – or they were like he, he's a sure tackler. They would catch it. He's a media mm -hmm. tackle, which is another tyrant. Until we right. talked a little bit about Matthew in the contract year, but in general, Matthew's tackling prowess is very good. Right, and um, the amount of the total amount of receiving yards that Trent McDuffie allowed last season, one hundred and eleven. That's, <laughs> That's it. So, so like, so he basically over the course of a season he gave up a good game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So like this guy is very clearly. Um, has the pedigree coming out of college, just maybe not some of the... Because if he was 6'1", if he was 6'2", with that production, he probably is a top-five pick, he, right? Who was the pick. kid from LSU? Sauce Gardner and uh, Derek Stingley going in Stingley, the top four. Stingley was the yeah. kid from LSU, yeah, mm -hmm. who won the national championship. Was Sauce Gardner from Carolina? Uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Knew it started with an S, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, yeah, I, 
and and I think you know there's two sides to the well you know 40 percent but small sample size but in this case small sample size as you said is kind of a, a good thing you know normally you don't want to judge too much on a small sample size in this case it kind of is a, a small it's good to have a small sample size because that means people aren't throwing to you right and, and so if you yeah. can put yourself in a situation where you've got a, such a huge chunk of the field taken care of like and, and to that point if, if it's his second year and um you know look a little and, and he plays well like his rookie year and it's his second year and it's week you know 15 and you know it, it you know if you're a fan don't worry if it's just going well wait we used the first round draft pick on this kid it's week 15 and he only has two interceptions look a little deeper and see if the reason for that is is because nobody's throwing to him right. which if that's the case that's kind of the funny the funny thing about a cornerback is once you establish yourself your actual measurable stats go lower because they don't throw to you as much because they yeah. don't want to bother yeah, so um, I, I like that pick, and like I said, by all accounts, seems like a, a really good kid in that regard. But yeah, you certainly have more pressure for taking him by by trading up, and even though, again, it wasn't a ton of assets, it, it certainly were some other assets. Now, yep. their other pick in the first round um, ends up being George Karloftis, and um, Karloftis was a guy who, again, was, was kind of expected to go, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 picks earlier than he ended up going, and he's another guy who, like I... I'm not saying this to say that their ceiling can't be like Pro Bowl players and stuff. I think absolutely that's what you hope and, and that's what the ceiling could be. But I think when I look at both these picks for the Chiefs, they're more of high floor, um, not low ceiling, but again, not like your high ceiling. Like you have options there, right? Um, you could take picks on guys who maybe have low floors but high ceilings. These guys are both high floor players that I feel like could be starters in the NFL for, you know, however long, your eight to ten years. But um, could really be starters right away and, and give you high production right away. And I think that's obviously important for the Chiefs at the pass rusher spot. Like, Karloftis had good um, numbers at Purdue last year. He was a former five-star recruit, came over from Greece. He had offers from Ohio State and Alabama and stuff, but he decided As he wanted to stay home. most great football home. players played water polo. Did he really? Yeah. Interesting. Which I'd say that— I'm sure that's a Greek thing. This is going to be a funny thing, I, I but I, I mean it. And if people have seen me on Twitter, I've talked about it a lot. It's a— Maybe a, a fascination, a weird fascination of mine. But one thing I always, for defensive, more defensive interior guys, but still pass rushers too, um, especially if you're going to play in a defense like this where you're going to put your finger in the dirt uh, versus being like a, a Justin Houston guy who did later on, but early in his career was just a, a straight up on two feet linebacker. Um, but one thing I, 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 and I haven't seen, but What's their ass look like? Because if these like <laughs> you want a huge ass, mm -hmm. and I'm, I I say that obviously for humor effect, but it is true. Like those th like big thighs and a giant ass that tells you right now that he's gonna if, if he's got those that set up. Um, but my point is, I bring that up. I don't know what the guy's ass looks like, but he's got to have a crazy hard core and a crazy you know strong set of legs if he played water polo. Yeah, um, so he, he missed a lot of tackles, but he also has a lot of production, really good power rusher um, out of Purdue, and a guy who has a really good quick first step. Um, he's somebody who very much helps the Chiefs. And, and one thing, maybe the most interesting part about this, because the Chiefs had options there, um, and Brett Veach said so much. Uh, we're going to play Brett Veach audio later in the show as well. Brett Veach said that they had teams calling them mm -hmm. about trading up for pick 30. 
and they opted not to. They said, we don't want to get too cute with it. Let's take the guy. And that tells me something because we know, uh, Brett Feach said this, I forget if it was earlier this week or last week. He said, we have first-round grades on whatever it was, like 15 to 18 guys, something something like that, that, right? That means to me, if they stood in the first round and opted not to trade down, that tells me he was one of the guys with the first round grade. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, it, Which, if you got him at pick thirty, that's a great sign. That's a right? really yeah, because that yeah, um, that's a really good point. And, and I'm I'm still um, in general. Again, there are always exceptions. My my general rule with a, a, a successful first round draft pick to me is a guy who you sign to a second contract. Doesn't have to happen a hundred percent of the time. Nobody is a hundred percent in the draft. Nobody most guys aren't like the good ones probably aren't even 60% yeah. of the draft really. Um, but, it's hard. It, but my point is if this guy comes, you know, if this guy turns out to just be pretty good, um, I, I like him because at, at pick 30, you're really hovering around the second round. Um, the only difference is if, if he's very productive, you're happy that you got that, that fifth year on him. You know, I, my immediate thought when you talked about maybe higher floor, but lower ceiling Think of another guy that they may, the Chiefs may be in a position to pick tonight. Um, that another another Big Ten pass rusher that would be probably a higher f- ceiling, but a lower floor because of boom bust because of injury. David Ojabo. Yeah, Ojabo's still there. Ebikidi from Penn State. Yeah. Um, there was another big one. Is Boy Mafe from Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 those guys and and um. Yeah, so that's that's a guy the the uh, the other um, Ojabe um, Ojabo yeah Ojabo yeah I'm sorry uh, the other Mich- Ojabo the the now the 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 problem with him is one I mean beyond the Achilles um, one is no but doesn't that make even more sense now yeah because, because like, you've got you've got this right. guy exactly because um, if he can't play this year coming off that injury it's like okay well we have this other guy exactly Fine. and, and then he replaces Frank Clark in the year when he's gone the only argument I could say against Ajabo and it's not a big one especially if because I really think he has high upside and um, you'd be getting him in conceivably in the second round I I maybe he goes to the third if he if they get him in the third I'd love that um, but regardless I, the only if you if you can get beyond the injury, which it's better now, we're we're further along with injuries than we've ever been. Um, is is was his production based on Aiden Hutchinson being on the other side? It's a good question, right? But that's you have to have you have to have your you have to be good, trust enough in your scouts and your own ability to scout to uh, to determine that for yourself. Well, and I think you'd also hope that ideally, if George Karloftis hits and or Chris Jones is playing really well, you could just say, well, even if that's true. We could just say, that's okay, cr- but you got get guys. that same situation yeah, to make a good that happen, point. Yeah. right? Um, and, and that's another thing, and I know we got a break, but what mm-hmm. you just said is huge. How much, just Karloftis, maybe they get um, a boy Mafe or, or a Jabba or another guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe they do get another guy like that. But Karloftis alone, I think, takes a ton of heat off of Chris Jones. Just any level of a, of a productive pass rusher from the edge, I think, takes a lot of heat off Chris Jones. Yeah, I agree. Um, so... Uh, Karloftis and other guys, well, that by all accounts, really hard worker, really gets into the uh, the weight in the film room, uh, good teammate in the locker room. So they did that with both guys. That can never hurt. I mean, that can't be the be all end all why you draft the guy, but it's you know it's something that that adds to it when you do that. And so, uh, did you see his girlfriend while he was right around when he was being interviewed? No, it was kind of cute. Um, I just I don't know. I got a little. I assume it was his girlfriend. They, they looked about the same age. He had his arm around her. Um, he was getting ready to be interviewed by ESPN, and, and uh, or I think so. And 
she I just I don't know why I thought this was so cute. She was just kind of standing there smiling and then she fixed his tie clip. I don't know why. I just I got a kick out of that. I'm like I, I like this guy now. I mean, I liked the pick, but I'm like I don't know, it's just it's this it's such a, a nothing to do with football, just this endearing moment that I liked in the draft. Well, as we look at what they do now, like I said, they have two second round picks, they have a third, um they have a fourth. They still have four sevenths. I can't imagine they're going to use all four, so maybe one of them turns into, hey, let's move up five picks in the third round. I just uh, The one thing I hope that doesn't happen, now that you did trade up in the first round, I think it's fine. Again, you have to hit on the pick. Um, but you can't, I don't think, afford to do it again because of that. It's yeah. so, like if you trade down one of the picks, then that's great. You get more picks out of it, sure. But I've seen some people say, okay, well, you didn't get your receiver yet. Go up, trade for one of those guys. There's still a lot of guys out there. I, love I say either sit tight. Take one of 50 or 64 or trade down, get one. Like You can still get one. There are still a lot of good players still available there that I don't think you need to trade up at this point on. But as we look at what we expect for them the rest of the weekend, I think it's it's pretty clear what, what happens to me. If we just went through this like position by position. Yeah. Quarterback, you're not going to draft someone. Right? Agreed. Um, and even if you unless, unless you're it'd unless be a seventh rounder, right? Without you're hoping to replace Chad Henney. Yeah. Someday. So like it's it's not prevalent. As far as like I guess I mean like top five. Yeah, yeah, picks. yeah. Quarterback tonight, won't be. Let's say tonight for sure. Sure, sure. You're and, not taking a quarterback tonight. Right. Um, running back, you're not. Uh, Brett Feach has <laughs> said. Not. No, Brett Feach said, he said he loves the late round to undrafted running backs. Okay. So that tells me one of the sevens could be a running back, right? Nope. Or maybe they use two sevens to get a six, take a running back, yeah. whatever. So not tonight. Um, fullback, obviously not. Uh Receiver, yes, they will take one. Sky Moore's still there. Yep, Sky Moore, Jalen Tolbert, uh, George Pickens. Which one's the kid from Baylor? I don't know the kid from Baylor. Um, now, anyway, go ahead. Anyway, uh, so uh, there's receivers still there. I'd imagine you're going to take one. Maybe you take two, but I mean, you have McCole Hardman, Juju Smith Schuster, Marquez Valdez Scantling. And if you take a rookie, that's your fourth receiver. And then you still have guys like Cornell Powell, who was a fifth-round pick last year. Travis Kelsey is, is right. basically a receiver. So I'm kind of thinking they only take one in terms of these top like four or five-round yeah, yeah, picks. Yeah. If they take another, it'll be a, a late flyer. Like a, um, the kid from K-State, he was yeah. like a sixth-round. Exactly. Like so that. I think one receiver gets taken. Um, you could obviously use another offensive tackle, whether it's insurance for your right tackle spot to compete for that spot, insurance for Lucas Niang, insurance for Orlando Brown possibly leaving. Yeah. Tackle makes a lot of sense. Um, I think you probably use an interior guy, but again, I view that as like a, it'll be a late round pick if that happens. Um, the other thing real quick, before you continue, I want to make a point on receiver. Uh, another thing to really keep in mind is I'm not saying that you just surround him with seventh round picks, but Patrick Mahomes is going to do a lot to make receivers look good. Yeah. So I do want to, I want I want to add that in there. Yeah, no, it's good to bring up. Um, so that's two positions. Then you have on the defense side, of course you could use another pass rusher. So that's three, um, I mean, you could use a third linebacker, but you're not going to use another high pick on him after using back back seconds. So, again, that would be one you use later. Guy who can also play, play special teams. And then the other one is you could use another DB, whether it's to be that third safety or compete for that third safety spot with Deion Bush or just to get another corner because you lost a couple last year. Mm -hmm. So that that's what I look at. They have three picks today, four picks if you include the fourth round. Those are the four positions right there. It just seems to make so much sense. Yeah. Which, if that's the math of what they decided and said – we can afford to trade up and lose these two picks because that's all we need, and then the rest will be flyers and late round guys. Then that does make some sense. To it's me. also entirely possible that you could another team wants you could get one of those picks that you gave up to jump up to twenty one. You could get some, you know, maybe another third rounder back 
from a team that wants to move higher up in the second round. Yeah, so we'll wait and see, but uh, I'm excited for tonight, and I've, I've liked the Chiefs draft so far. We're going to talk a little bit more about that on the other side. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. First trivia matchup of the day. We finish out round two today, so we'll have our Field of the Sizzling 16 set. After this one, RCST Trivia here brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Easter State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Home Field Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros, and our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery, where you can get dine-in, carry-out, and catering all available with their outdoor patio to enjoy the warm weather. You can try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese or any of the great menu items, and both you guys have already received a $25 gift card to the 23rd Street Brewery. Every round you advance, you get another one. Already gotten a earned a RCST Trivia t-shirt. Some more prizes on the ledger for whoever wins this one. If either one of you guys moves on, I mean, I guess one person will move on, which Whichever one of you moves on to the Sizzling 16, you get another $25 to the brewery, as mentioned, because every round you advance, that's another one. A $10 gift card to Hawaiian Bros, thanks to Kirk Geeser State Farm, where Kirk Geeser State Farm can help you out with insurance needs, financial advice. Give Kurt and his team a call or email today and see what he can do for you. A $20 gift card to CBD of Lawrence, your pharmacist-owned and operated CBD shop, now located at 4821 West 6th Street next to Big Biscuit. They have free shipping and a perks program featuring lots of hemp-derived cannabinoid products as well as Delta 8 or 9, and also a voucher for a free sandwich, plus another free voucher for a breakfast sandwich at McDonald's in Lawrence, Topeka, Atchison, Bonner Springs, Shawnee Mission Park, Wayne Hilltop, Shawnee, and Leavenworth. Give the McDonald's app a download today. And for this first matchup, we have the 4-5 between Brian Rainey and the 5-seed Aaron Mayer. And Brian, uh, you went to the Sizzling 16 last year. You've gone four and two on trivia overall, twelve and two on questions. You got through your first matchup in a bit of a shorter one at two uh, zero. So, uh, do you feel well rested headed into this second matchup? I feel well rested, <laughs> I guess. I mean, I've been studying, but sometimes you can study too much. So, um, I feel I feel good. We'll see. Let's just have some fun. Well, when you say you've been studying, is there something specific or is there a specific area um, of questions or expertise that you've been trying to kind of hone your skills on? No, I tried something a little different this week. I've been watching old games. I watched a couple games from the 90s, a couple games from the from the 80s. And, you, you know, the announcers kind of drop things that you didn't know, you know, and they kind of stick a little bit. And like I had no clue Nate McMillan played for NC State, you know. Just little things like that can help you out, but I'm trying to get away from the media guy a little bit and trying to diff- trying different things. But yeah, we were very thing, so we'll see. Yeah, we were, we were media guy heavy last year. We still have a lot of media guy questions this year, but um, we've we've definitely started. You know, every year has its own rendition. We we have certain things that you can't find in the media guy this year. Uh, Aaron, meanwhile, you're the five seat. You are uh, looking to make your first sizzling sixteen. You've made the second round before, so this is familiar territory. You've gone ten and one on questions. Unfortunately, the only question you've missed ended up being your lone RCST trivia loss so far, and you know you're playing a really good opponent. Um, so. I, I guess uh, what has to be different this year than uh, last year in terms of your your second round for you to go around further. 
Well, I missed the really hard question last year. So I started diving really deep into like 20s, 30s, 40s. I just want to make sure I've got everything covered, but I'm probably going to make something easy today, more than likely. <laughs> Adam actually floated an idea to me, which we can't implement this year. We're, we're into the game about um, in years ahead. If somebody misses a question in the really easy or the easy column, we give them a you get one uh, mulligan for the entire tournament, only if you miss one of those. If you're missing the medium or hard or really hard, you can't use a mulligan. But if you miss a really easy or easy, you get one mulligan. But your mulligan, you have to answer a really hard question right to get back into it just to be able to keep playing in the tournament. But I don't know. that uh, For future discussion with the uh, rules committee here. All right. Um, so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and uh, get into our matchup as we cue the music. And Aaron has the lower seed with the five. You have the option. Would you rather go first or go second? I'll go first. All right. It's Brian, you're up second. The winner of this matchup will take on the winner of our second matchup today between the one seed Andrew Wymore and the eight seed Doug Crumpton Murray. Okay, first up to you, Aaron, into the easy column. This former KU broadcaster spent 60 seasons on the mic for KU and has the number 60 for those 60 years retired in Allen Fieldhouse in the rafters. What's his name? Max Falkenstein. Yep. Max and Bob or whoever, whatever rendition you listen to. Everybody knows Max. I think he's the lone lone non-player in the rafters. Is that right? I'd have to go through. Ooh, that sounds right off the top of my Why head. Why are coaches not in there? I don't, I know. don't know. Nonetheless. Okay, on to you, Brian. This now KU basketball radio color analyst recorded nine minutes with zero points, rebounds, assists, steals, or blocks. This is mean. A.K.A. nine trillion. In KU's 1993 NCAA tournament first round win, what's his name? I think that would be Greg Gurley. <laughs> that's right. But he's got a sweet pair of red pants. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's just mean. Friend of the show, Greg Gurley. Not cool. All right, on to the medium round for you, Aaron. This KU player scored 33 points for the Jayhawks in the 1952 Final Four against Santa Clara. Clyde Lavella. Yep, Clyde Lavellet. Popular answer because he's a heck of a basketball player. Okay, on to you, Brian. This sophomore forward led KU in points per game during the 1985-1986 Final Four season. Sophomore? Yep. Well, let's do Danny Manning. Yep, Danny Manning, the correct answer. Those two of the three or five most accomplished, greatest Kansas basketball players of all time with Danny and Clyde. All right, now we cue up the music. Things get intense in here. On to the hard round of questions in our 4-5 matchup between Brian and Aaron. Aaron, in 1971-1972, Kansas went just 11-15 and 15 as only one player averaged double-digit points per game. What's the name of that only player who went on, though, to score 25.3 points per game? 71-72? Yes, sir. Bud Stallworth? Nailed it. Yeah, that's that. He was the only guy to average double figures, but boy, did he average double figures 25.3 points per game. If you ask Bud, he'll uh, tell you that, you know, he had some games in there where if there was three point line, I don't know, maybe that'd be 30 points per game. Okay, on to you, Dave. Or I'm sorry, on to you, Brian. The 1990 to 1991 Kansas Jayhawks made the final four. What guard led that team at 16 points per game? Say it again, what year? 
1990 to 1991, Kansas Jayhawks made the Final Four. What guard led that team at 16 points per game? I think that was downtown Terry Brown. That's right. I had a question yesterday. Didn't know the name downtown. All right, back to you, Aaron. What big man finished second on that 1990 to 1991 Kansas team in points per game at 15 per? What was the year again? Uh, 1990 to 1991. He was second on the team in points per game at about 15 points per. He was a forward. Uh, 10 seconds. I'm going to go Rex Walters. No, Mark Randall was the uh, correct answer there. Um, The big man forward thing was the hope for the hint there. Okay. The thing? Yeah. Back, I'm not good with the 90s. No. Back to you, Brian. Kansas downed Houston 78-77 to in the first round of the 1971 NCAA tournament behind 29 points, 16 rebounds, 6 blocks, and 4 steals from who? 71? Yes, a 71 tournament, so it would have been 70-71 to season. I'm going to go back with Bud Stallworth. Dave Robish is the correct answer. Dave Robish. All right. Stay alive. The KU record for you, Aaron. The KU record for most points scored in an overtime period is 22. They did it on February 1st, 1997 against who? Uh, I'm going to go Nebraska. Nailed it. It's kind of funny because you think some of the best teams in KU history, that 97 team comes up, the 0-2 team that actually went undefeated in Big 12 play, Nebraska took them to the limit, and I think What's KU the only beat them by a point in Lincoln. So of all the of all the programs to give KU's best teams troubles. 2018, I mean, Kansas had troubles with a lot of teams that year. They still made the Final Four, but they had to hit a, a corner three from Speed to win yeah, that game. Yeah, that's right, in December. What's up right. with that? All right, on to you, Brian. Got to hit this stay alive. The KU record for most points in a Big 12 tournament game was 102 of them in the 2002 Big 12 quarterfinals against who? 2002? Yes. In, uh, let's quarterfinals? Yep. It was in Oklahoma. Oh, man. The 12. 10 seconds. Taking a guess here. I'm going to say Colorado. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Off to a good start today. Oh, my this is goodness. A fun one. Yes, this is. We stick around in the really hard round. Back to you, Aaron. This is what four or five matchups are supposed to be, man. Uh, Prior to Joel Embiid breaking the freshman total blocks record, what KU big man held the mark prior to Joel Embiid with 62 of them? Is that Eric Chenoweth? <laughs> this is remarkable. 
This is a wonderful matchup. Yeah, this is good. I'll tell you why. I, I feel bad because this this entire part of this region, we had the, the Doug Lane matchup in the 8-9. Now yep. we have this 4-5 right in this same area. All of these guys deserve this to is, make a phenomenal four. Bananas. And only one of them is going to even make a grade eight. This is unreal. All right, on to you, Brian. In 2000, this KU player set the school record for steals in a Big 12 tournament game with eight of them against Kansas State in the Big 12 first round. What's his name? In 2000? Yes. And question one more time. 2000? Yeah, in 2000, this KU player set the school record for most steals in a Big 12 tournament game. He had eight of them against Kansas State. First round. Ten seconds. Lob a name. Kirk. Kirk. Mm. Correct answer is Nick Bradford. Nick Bradford broke the record for steals with eight. And Brian, uh, after hearing the answer to that one, is uh, of the because uh, I think you missed two questions there between that one and the Mark Randall one. Which of those is going to be more uh, more tough to get over? Um. Well, Mark Randall was his, but I actually knew that answer. Mm. But. I didn't know Nick Bradford. I'm sorry, the Dave Robish one. I remember. Yeah, I'm not good with the 70s, um, 60s. But um, I kind of forgot about Nick Bradford mm. in that year, in that in that era. That's my era, so I should have known that. But that is one of the more, I guess, quote unquote, you know, forgettable teams. Okay, because it was it was kind of the transition well, between most, the most guys remember the younger guys. He get he, Kirk Heinrich was a was a because that was kind of that was their freshman year. That that great group that went on to go back to back Final Fours. They were freshmen that year, so guys kind of forget the older dudes from that from that uh, team. Yep. Well, Aaron, you uh, just killed it there. So I got to ask the the Nebraska one and that Eric Chenoweth one, were those ones that you just did some studying and paid off? Did you just know it off the top of your head? How did you come to those answers? Uh, I've been studying all morning. I knew that Brian uh, knows his stuff. I, I went back and listened to uh, all his matchups from last year. I know he's been to a lot of games and in the 90s, so I, I did a lot, of, a lot of research for the 90s. I glanced. I barely remember knowing the Nebraska one. Like I just went past it. Um, and then the Chenoweth question uh, – I had a buddy call me this morning. We talked for like 10 minutes. That was one of the few questions he asked me. So that one stuck with me. Well, the uh, preparation paid off. You did the scouting on Brian's previous games. I love it. I think you're wearing the RCST (laughs) Trivia t-shirt as well. Maybe that's what gave you the extra boost there into the uh, Sizzling 16. So Brian... Ends a little bit shorter. I think I think you guys, it's very clear. This is the region of death, uh, the West. So I feel bad for how the seeding worked out for you guys this year because, like I said, all you guys deserve to be in this next round. And, uh, Brian, we hope to see you back next year. Aaron, congrats. You're moving on. Thank you. Okay, good job. That was a fun one. I mean, they, you guys do another stuff. Just and that, yeah, and they were they were quick with them. There was I think Chenoweth one was kind of a uh, it took no was it Nebraska one of them took a, a little bit. I think longer, it was the Chenoweth one into the twenty second you know time, but the rest of them were you know a lot of them they were they were just bam bam bam. Yeah. that was that was an impressive that was an impressive matchup. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. That was uh, a lot of fun. Like I said, I think well, Aaron's really freaking good. Um, I, I now do view, like, whoever wins, because I, I kind of thought beforehand, you know, like Brian and Aaron, I knew they were both really good. 
But I was like, okay, whoever wins the Andrew Wymore and, and Doug one, I feel like has a good chance of making the Phenomenal Four just because they've shown us so much. But after that matchup, it's hard for me not to think that, like, the same way our next matchup with Andrew and Doug is going to be uh, an instant classic, at least I would hope and, and think, and is two, like, absolute studs. That's now the same way I feel about the Sizzling 16. And I feel like, again, in the same way that whoever wins that second round matchup today could win it all, whoever wins that Sizzling 16 matchup between Aaron and, and whoever wins the other one could win it all as well. Like, this absolutely is the region of death. Yeah, I mean, we've had already just in this in this region alone, multiple matchups have gotten multiple questions um, in the uh, in the really hard category. Um you know, that's, that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, it really does. All right, um, we are going to take a time out here. Once again, everybody who moves to Season 16, you get a voucher uh, for a free breakfast sandwich and a sandwich from McDonald's, $20 gift card to CBD of Lawrence, $10 to Hawaiian Bros, thanks to Kirk Easter State Farm, $25 to 23rd Street Brewery, and more importantly, you're still alive in RCST trivia. Our next matchup, like I said, maybe it's the matchup of the second round. I don't know. That one was pretty good. It'll be tough to top. But Andrew Wymore and Doug Crumpton Murray, there's been a lot of uh, buildup around this matchup. We'll see what's in store for us on the other side. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back to RCST Trivia, brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Easter State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, CBD of Lawrence, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. And this is maybe uh, the matchup that I think people are most circling here in the second round with a one seed in Andrew Wymore and an eight seed Doug Crumpton Murray. But uh, Doug got an eight seed. We hadn't had any prior trivia, um, I guess, history on him. So, you know, what are we going to do? We can't just blindly give somebody a high seed. And all of a sudden, Doug has shown that maybe he is a, a one seed uh, in this tournament. It took him seven questions. He went 7-0, and oh, answered, what, two, three really hard questions in his first-round matchup, and it was a great effort by his opponent, Lane, to push him there. But now we've got quite the buildup here. I mean, this is a phenomenal four-level matchup, a championship-level matchup between these two guys who uh, certainly uh, both are deserving of making it to that level of RCST trivia. So, uh, Andrew, you are the one seed, and... Uh, this is going to be quite different than your first matchup. Your first matchup was a no-show. It was a forfeiture. You just had to answer one question right to move on. Um, you're wearing the RCST trivia hat. You are uh, doing our, I don't know if you did this on purpose or not, but we've talked about, you know, the home team needs to wear white or wear their home whites. You are wearing white. Uh, was that a designed plan? And and uh, I guess, uh, what what's the feeling? What's the emotions headed into this matchup? Well, yeah, I thought I'd wear the home whites uh, for you, uh, Derek and Adam. And, yeah, I mean, obviously Doug is a, an eight seed in name only by no fault of the committee. Um, and I seem to remember earlier this month uh, oh, one seed running into an eight seed um, in a pretty big matchup. And uh, I just got to do my best to make sure that – Turns out the same way for me as that one did. Well, you better hope that uh, that eight seed isn't hitting as many threes um, as, as if you're referring to Creighton, although I can't remember if they were eight or nine. So, Doug. Um, I was referring to the University of North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would not be great. Well, I, I mean, it could also go, I think TCU is a nine as well, but 
They barely skated by. If you want to go the other way, on that. Uh, Doug, you are wearing your road uniform as well. You got the blue on, and again the the Jayhawk blazer jacket on the outside that I hope becomes a staple of this uh, trivia tournament. So, uh, Doug, going back to that first matchup, um, like I don't know, like I I feel like you're underseated here. Did we just happen to catch you on a good day, or, or do you just know a lot of KU stuff? Um, I, I feel I know a lot of KU stuff. Um, it, it's great to kind of connect with my hometown. I don't get back that much anymore, but, uh, you know, this is, this is like a virtual homecoming and, um, shout out to my man Lane. It was kind of, it was kind of fun to be called the best first round matchup ever, you know, so a l- little history there, but, uh, I think you put it best, Derek, you know, it's a bad question when you don't know it, you know, where, you know, you, you just <laughs> kind of luck of the draw on what questions come up, but, um, I'm, I'm still riding that wave, want to do my best, but whatever happens, win or lose, we're still national champions. Yeah. Well, you just, you just hope this isn't a chiefs bills situation. The chiefs have the crazy game against the bills and then maybe a little bit of a letdown the next game out. So, uh, we'll wait and see here. We're going to get into the, uh, event here. Only thing that's different. We're going to start the easy round as opposed to the really easy round. And Doug, you are the lower seeds. So you have the option. Would you rather go first or go second? I will go first. Okay. Did you go first last week? I did. All right, so sticking with the mojo here. All right, Doug, for you, what school did Roy Williams leave Kansas for? North Carolina. Yep, almost left them a few years earlier, stuck around and and left them, but um, Kansas ended up being okay because they hired Bill Self. Andrew, what school did Kansas hire Bill Self Illinois. away from? Yep. Real quick answer. I think that was negative one on the shot clock. All right, into the medium round. Back to you, Doug. Despite losing to Arizona in the 1997 Sweet 16, what KU wing went off for game best 27 points in the loss? That was Pierce. Yep. Paul Pierce, the correct answer, and that's a good reminder. Last names work unless I need specification, which that one works on its own. Okay, on to you, Andrew. Despite losing to UTEP in the 1966 Midwest Regional Finals, what KU legendary shooting guard was second on the team with both 19 points and 11 rebounds? At JoJo White. Yes, it is. He had 21 points because he was inbounds. Yeah, right? A name so nice, they named him twice. JoJo White. Okay, on to the hard round of questions. Back to you, Doug. So you add to the intensity. We knew this was going to go to the hard round. This is where uh, true decisions are made. Doug, what jersey number did Dwight Colby wear at Kansas? He wore 22. <laughs> There's no stumping this guy. 22 is the correct answer. A seldom used big man. I think he was on the team two, maybe three years because sitting out the transfer year. The the game randomly, I really remember him in. He he had decent minutes in the game, what ultimately became the crazy comeback over West Virginia. Mm. Early in that game, he put he had some quality minutes. I just remember talking to him, and he said he wanted to uh, like be a cook after he was done with basketball. Okay, on to you, Andrew. What jersey number? Did Hunter Mickelson wear at Kansas? Gosh. Jersey numbers are not my strong suit. 
I'll go ahead and uh, tell you that I did not know Dwight Colby's number. Hunter, 44? Ah, mm. you were so close. There's 42. I'm gonna, I need to say this real quick. So I we go back and, and we double-check each other on these questions. And um, I when I first saw this and Derek had put together that question, I was like, are we sure it's for because I, I 44 pumped popped in my mind, too. And I went back and, and looked up and, and no, sure enough, it is 42. So y- you and I, I this may be bad news for you, man, but you and I had similar <laughs> thoughts on that one. Well, I mean, it's it's those jersey numbers are tough, man. And uh, Hunter Mickels, I mean, you have a pair of guys who both transferred in from SEC schools or kind of seldom used big man, had a few moments here or there. Um, so, Doug, did uh, Andrew said he didn't know the Colby one. Did you know the Hunter Mickelson one? I did not know the Hunter Mickelson mm. one. I was wrong with my guess. So that's luck of the draw. That's a tough one. See, again, those sometimes the order of the questions, sometimes just happening. Like, that's the thing. You you picked to go first, so it worked out for you. But you couldn't have known that the order of those was, was coming in that direction. And, Andrew, I feel bad for you because I feel like the committee has – has done you no justice by giving you an eight seed in the second round who clearly next year, like Doug is going to be like a top two seed. We'll see how far he goes in the tournament. Um, And this would be a much later matchup. So I I feel poorly for you that that was the case, that that ended up happening. But I hope we get you back next year because you you still will have a high seed based on your, your deep run last year. You know, I'll be back, Derek. uh, Congratulations uh, to Doug. I love what you're doing out there in uh, Fresno, uh, teaching the kids um, about about the Jayhawks, and wish you luck going forward. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. Well, Doug, congrats. You are moving on, and uh, your your next opponent, Aaron Mayer, is uh, quite the contestant as well. We, we dubbed this the region of doom. It's playing out that way. And uh, certainly, we got some really good contenders out of the West region here. Guys, appreciate it. And uh, Doug, see you next week. Great. Thanks a lot, guys. Well, I mean, Doug, what what else can he say? Uh, if somebody's good at Photoshop and they listen to our show, can you, you know that old TV show, Doug? Yeah. Like with Doug, I guess they Doug, don't. Doug Funny on the Nickelodeon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I guess they don't have a picture and know what Doug looks like because we see him on Zoom. I don't know. Maybe he does like on Twitter somewhere. If, if somebody could like Photoshop that picture for us and just have somewhere. I don't know what I'm where I'm going with this, but like trivia tournament champion or something. I don't know. I mean, he looked the guy. Um, the I thought the Col- it took him a minute. So I thought the Colby one had him because the, the, I did too. the one that I remember from his first round match that stood out was the. 115 to 45, the largest, (laughs) and he, it was over Brown, and Mm -hmm. he knew that it didn't take him three seconds. So when, when this one started getting into the 10, 12 second range, I thought, uh oh, I think we got him. And then, nope, that was why, you know, he wore 22. All right, man. (laughs) Whatever. I didn't think anybody would get that. Honestly, you could make a case that both of those questions should have been in really hard. Yeah, I think they were right to be paired with each other. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, they could have been either. But I, I think what we try to do, as much as we try to get the category right as far as medium, hard, really hard, the biggest thing is we want any two questions that are paired together to be equal in difficulty. So, you know, if you're talking about steak, like there's there's rare to medium rare, this one would be hard to really hard, but they're they're both equally, you know, cooked in the center. Let me ask you a question. So Doug is now 10-0 and 0 on questions. Will he miss a question this tournament? 
I think you know what I'm going to say yes, and I'm just basing that on we at the very least we got him into the into the 12 to 14 second range this time. So eventually, <laughs> eventually we're making some headway. We're yeah. Like I said, I do feel bad for Andrew because like. Again, that shouldn't that, that doesn't deserve there's, there's to be no way that as a one seed. seed, but exactly. What, but what can again, you do? we we couldn't have known. We can't yeah. we can't go back and you know we can't reseed this. I mean, we could, I guess, but like that's not there's the point just of the no bracket. way. Yeah, there's just no way that we knew this dude was gonna come on and um. Okay, what, would you go a step yeah. further? Who do you view the, to be the like if you were Vegas and you had to make a betting favorite right yeah. now? What, I mean, Eric you know, is the no, defending no. champ. So if, I, if I'm Kansas, because they just passed yeah, sports there we gambling go. Yeah, last there we night. Go. Yeah, okay. So if you're the state of Kansas and all the money that's being taken on this is going to be given to trying to lure the Chiefs over, yeah, which is never right. going to actually happen. Yeah. Um, uh, who is the betting favorite? Because again, it's hard not to say Eric is the defending champ and the number one seed. He's still alive. How and would he not be the favorite? Through. I'm trying to remember his his first two matchups. He did. Did his one with Matt go pretty deep? So he has gone seven and zero on questions. I think his first matchup went four or five. I can't remember if it, so it went was two like or four, three. Yes, four and zero, and then three and zero, or yeah. five and zero, and two and zero somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, Eric, you you win. You're you're one of the favorites. You really you make a phenom- phenomenal four. You're one of the favorites because you have to. It's inevitable at some point you're going to get into the really hard questions. Well, see, I, I'm wondering um, if, if to this question, should the actual betting favorite be Tyler Feist? Because if you think about it, Tyler Feist is the um, uh, among the, the four people who made the Phenomenal Four last year. Mm-hmm. Eric and Tyler are the only two left. Tyler won the third place game last year. Tyler, unlike, even though Eric, uh, like, technically you would say, okay, well, if you're power ranking him, you put Eric ahead of Tyler because Eric won last year and Tyler got third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Eric could have to go through, like, Kyle Martin was so good in that first-round matchup. That could be a great eight matchup if, if Kyle can get by That's, Andrew. Yeah. You would then have to play Doug to get to the title game. And on the flip side, if you're Doug, you have to go through Aaron it, Mayer. Yeah, or, next round. And then you would have to go through, like, Eric Hansey That's, or yeah. uh, Kyle Martin or Andrew Filer or something in the grade eight. So like I, and then I feel if you like, make the phenomenal four, you're yeah you're running into Eric. Right, and it's Pro, not well that, you could run into Eric. It's not that the path is easy for Tyler. Yeah. Like I, I could very much see Chris Yurchak beating Tyler or something like that. It's just that I feel like the path is a little more open. A good example: the 2018 tournament when Kansas made the Final Four, KU was the favorite in that region because Duke and Michigan State, before getting to Kansas, would have had to have gotten through. Theoretically, they didn't because Syracuse upset Michigan State. But it's one of those things where the thought process was if Duke meets KU, Duke will be the the favorite. However, before getting there, they'll have to go through a slightly tougher road to just get to that game. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you, you could play it out there. But um, all things being equal, I don't know how you're betting against Doug right now. That no. dude's incredible. He's, he's a machine. A force. He's a machine. Man with two last names, and uh, maybe he's got two brains in there, too, because that is a lot of KU it's knowledge. The brownies, man. His, his mom makes some <laughs> good right. brownies for the, the team. Yeah. They are. Not, not, the, not the Amsterdam magic brownies, but the KU, no. yeah, the yeah, KU, yeah, yeah. The KU, KU uh, title winning brownies. Exactly, the mm-hmm. KU knowledge uh, brownies. All right, he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Two trivia matchups in the book. We have one more second-round matchup. Features three-seed Kyle Martin, 11-seed Steve Klein in the Midwest region, and then we'll be fully set for the season only 16. This is RCST. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? 
You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Final second-round matchup of the day, and just overall, after this, the entire field for the Sizzling 16 will be set. We have a 3-11 matchup between Kyle Martin and the 11-seed Steve Klein out of the Midwest region. Winner of this will take on Andrew Filer, which certainly leads to its own storyline, potentially here for Kyle, but doesn't really do anything for Steve. Steve, you are the 11 seed. You won your first ever trivia appearance. It took you three questions to do so. Um, so what are your expectations here into trivia matchup number two? Um, well, I guess as we move on, I would imagine it takes more questions uh, than three would be my expectation, but who knows? Yeah, well, uh, right now you are the lowest seed remaining in the Midwest region, so you could be the Cinderella out of the region. Kyle, uh, you're trying to avoid that from happening. Is it hard not to look ahead to the potential matchup with Andrew in the Sizzling 16? Hmm, hard not to look ahead. I don't know. Uh, I think him advancing puts some pressure on me to catch back up to him. So uh, I do feel a little bit, you know, earlier in the week when Isaac lost, I felt a little pressure go away. It's like, man, if Isaac can lose, anybody can lose. But uh, then then Filer lucks his way through another round, uh, you know, just <laughs> his story for the last couple of years. So uh, he'll be waiting if I can get through. But I uh, listen to Steve's first round match. Uh, this isn't going to be easy. So I got to make sure I don't miss anything or I'm done. Yeah, well, uh, you mentioned you've been studying with Isaac. So Isaac, as you mentioned, got upset in the second round. Has he still been helping you study at all? Uh, we've texted back and forth a little bit, um, you know, with Tate's matchup yesterday. I think that was a little surprising uh, to, to both of us. So we were we were talking about that a bit. But uh, no, nothing since uh, since Sunday, which obviously I helped him out a ton uh, as he, uh, you know, went down. Yeah, <laughs> right yeah, after, right. But, yeah, yeah, he might he might not choose you as a study buddy anymore. We'll see. All right. Uh, yeah. We're going to go ahead and cue the music here, get into our matchup. And Steve, you as the lower seed, the 11, you have the choice. Would you rather go first or go second? Um. Second worked for me the first time. I'll, I'll keep it going with second. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. All right, so Kyle, you're up first into the easy category of questions. What's the furthest that Sharon Collins ever made it in the NCAA tournament? When he won the national championship in 08. Yep, that's right. Just a young sophomore on that team and won the title. Okay, for you, Steve, what's the furthest that Keith Langford made it in the NCAA tournament? Uh, the national championship game that they lost when to uh, Syracuse in 03. Yep, national championship game, runner-up, both would have sufficed. And uh, I almost instinctively, I knew I knew the question, the answer was right, but I almost instinctively hit the buzzer just because I was thinking about that game uh, in, in 03. <laughs> just made you want to say, no, didn't happen. Okay, back to you, Kyle. Who did Kansas beat in the 1988 National Championship game, 83-79? to 79? Oklahoma. Yep, Oklahoma is the correct answer. Okay, back to you, Steve. Who did Kansas lose to in the 2002 Final Four? Maryland. That is correct as well. Terrapins could not be stopped offensively. By KU. Okay, on to the hard round as we pick up the intensity a bit here. Back to you, Kyle. Kansas lost to Duke 
in the 1991 championship game despite 18 points and 10 rebounds by what senior big man? Mark Randall. Yeah, Mark Randall. There's a question earlier in today's episodes that was missed, but Mark Randall is the correct answer there. All right, pressure's on you now, Steve, to keep this one alive. Kansas failed to cover a 35-point spread, but still took down 16-seeded Jackson State in the 1997 first round behind 12 points, 19 rebounds, and six blocks by what senior center? Said senior. Yes. So that would be Scott Pollard. That's right. Good job. I'm realizing the context there. You're in the senior park because that would have eliminated Rafe LaFrance, who was a junior for that season. All right, now is when things really pick up into the really hard round. Back to you, Kyle. This is where you won your first matchup. KU's largest margin of victory in the NCAA tournament came in a 58-point win against what team seeded 16th from the SWAC in 1998? Prairie View. <laughs> Prairie View. There's the studying coming in help. And you just blasted them for their biggest NCAA tournament win in program history. All right, back to you, Steve. That Prairie View game also represented the most points scored by Kansas in a tournament game. They had 110 of them. Second most was KU's 108-point game against who in 2003? Um, you said that was a first-round game or you didn't say? I did not say. Yeah, same. No. That was almost lost in the first round. Um, Ten seconds. Okay, so we got two. Uh, 03. Name a team they beat in 03 in the tournament. Second round, Santa, Santa Clara. Correct answer is Arizona State. Both of those games, no. the, the I, big. Yeah, I do. The big win over Prairie View and the uh, blowout win over Arizona State took place in Oklahoma City. Ah, there we go. Yep. So something in the water there. Um, after saying Arizona State on that answer, Steve, did uh, that one come to mind a little bit more? Well, I remember Ike Diagu um, that second round. I remember that first round game. So I was thinking of a blowout, and, and KU like narrowly beat Utah State. Yeah, yeah, it was 64 um, and, and I was like, so that couldn't be it. And then I knew like Duke in the Sweet 16 and um, – I, so I was like, it had to be the second round. And I, I was drawing a blank on what that was, but now that you said it, I remember. Yeah, because they had a they had a first round pick. Would you have known the answer to the Prairie View one that uh, Kyle yeah, had? Um, I thought so. I wasn't positive on that one, but that's what I would have guessed. But I was also thinking like Southern or something like that. But I I, I think I would have gone with Prairie View. Kyle, did you know the answer to the Arizona State one there? I, I did know the Arizona State one, but yeah, to, to Steve's credit, he said Ike Diago immediately, so I knew it resonated with him as well as soon as he heard it. Yeah, I think if he might have had five, ten more seconds, I think Steve would have uh, gotten around to it. Unfortunately, falling a little bit short and the, the timer not on your side there. So, Kyle, uh, this now sets up what the bracket makers, what uh, the, the schedule makers have been hoping for with the 2-3 uh, matchup. Between two friends turned enemies and yourself taking on Andrew, do you do you have any words of, I don't know, trash talk or maybe even encouragement for Andrew headed into the Sizzling 16 matchup, which is also a rematch of last year when Andrew was able to beat you? 
Mm-mm. Well, uh, first of all, congrats, Derek, on your storyline coming true. Uh, glad <laughs> we could you. put that together for you. Steve, sorry you got caught in the middle of this uh, this nonsense yeah. that <laughs> Derek has tried to pull off. Uh, well, I got to avenge my wife, right? I mean, I, I've got to take him down here now that he's added that in. And, um, and uh, yeah, you know what's funny, though, is like w- w- it, the way his brain works, you could tell in the first round he wasn't, like, ready. But it's like... I've studied with him once since then. Like he's he's ready now, so he's he's in shape. He's ready to roll. Um, I do think I'm better at trivia than him, mm. but if he beats me two years in a row, it's a little hard to justify that. So I think the pressure's on to to validate my my stance here. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to it next week, guys. Appreciate it, and Kyle, see you next week. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Fun little matchup there. The yeah. story is complete. That was uh, that was a tough one. I the Arizona State one. That that's kind of one of those where um, it, it gets it's a game that gets lost because mm-hmm. I think it's easy to remember the Utah State because they barely beat them. Um, it's Duke and Air. You know Arizona was an Elite Eight win against a great team. Duke is a blue blood, so you're going to remember that game. And of course, once they get to the Final Four and title game, those are games you'll always remember. So that's kind of the that tweener one that that's easy to forget. Um, and then with the 16 seed, uh, I'm impressed because I mean those 16 seeds, um, particularly that long ago. Like I, you know, if you know if you would have asked, you know, 16 seed in in you know maybe the year they won the national championship, things like that. But a 16 seed from a year where they lose the second in the second round, which was unfortunately what happened in '98. That's not exactly a um, that's not exactly a, 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 a tournament where you sit back and, and read on the computer and memorize their games. No. Do you ever think, though, if they would have played the way they played against Arizona State when they had 108 points? I, I know it doesn't work like this. Like, tempos are different. Team game plans are different and stuff. But if they would have played the exact same way they played against Arizona State like and when they did score 108, how much would they have scored on Utah State? That's the, Yeah, that's an interesting right? question. I know. I mean, that was a scary thing. Look, um, Oklahoma City and it, it started in '98, um, losing to Rhode Island, and then getting the scare against Utah State. Oklahoma City is where Bucknell happened. Oklahoma City is where Northern Iowa happened. So, um, you know, off the top of my head, I think '03 was the only time that Kansas or that uh, Kansas got out of Oklahoma City alive uh, after their rounds of '64 and '32. He's Adam Rivetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We're on to the sizzling 16. Woo! We did it, everyone. Uh, congratulations to Kyle. He is getting a voucher for free sandwich, breakfast sandwich from McDonald's, $20 to CBD of Lawrence, $10 to Wine Bros, thanks to Kurt Geeser State Farm, and $25 to 23rd Street Brewery. $25 more, I should say, to 23rd Street Brewery. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Truck Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Adam Brevet, I'm Derek Johnson. Five o'clock hour here. The NFL draft continues tonight in the second and third round. I don't know about you, but I really thought in that first round it was one of the more entertaining drafts I can remember. You had a lot of trade ups, a lot of trade action, just in general. You had real players, Hollywood Brown, who's you know a solid starting receiver, AJ Brown, who's Pro Bowl level receiver, get traded on the day. You had uncertainty throughout the draft of who's going to get taken where. You had no idea what was going to happen, and I think a lot of that had to do with really no structure of quarterbacks. All of the top five were defensive players, and I thought yeah. it moved a little faster than normal. I thought, you know, in, in a lot of years past, we would see 
all these teams just use up the entirety of their clock. But this Everyone year it was 15 minutes. It was terrible. And and this year we would see teams, you know, as soon as one team's done, two minutes later, the next team, the, the pick is in. That that was one of the more entertaining first rounds that, that I can remember last night. And it kind of started, and you're right, with the quarterback because it, it was uh, – it. Pickett, I, if I'm not, if I'm reading this right, and I remember right, Pickett. It was a terrible name for a quarterback, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah. It was, and buddies, hey, he, you know, maybe Pittsburgh, maybe, doesn't Pitt Panthers play in that stadium anyway? So maybe he'll overcome his nickname yeah. and, and the familiarity will help. Um, but anyway, so yeah, a quarterback not being taken till 20, I think had a lot to do with it. The run on wide receivers. Um, but yeah, the, the speed was crazy. It was. I honestly think it would have gone any uh, so much more faster, more faster. Mm. Easy enough for me to say. I think it would have I gone speak good. Yes, um, I talk English. Um, it, I think it would have gone quicker if they didn't have to sell commercial spots because it yeah. seemed like a lot of the time they were all right. Pick Goodell announces the pick. Next pick is in, but then they got to go run two to three minutes of commercials. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, and, it, you know, it all started. The entertainment, I think, started with something that didn't even have to do with the draft pick, and it was um, Brown being traded away. Uh, that kind of kicked everything. I'm not even trying to make a cliche pun, but it really did kind of kick everything off. That that was, um, I don't know. It, it So it, it was crazy things within the draft, crazy things of players being traded outside the draft who are veterans. Um and I don't know. To me, I, I think Tennessee did pretty well because they got themselves a good wide receiver, and now they're not paying AJ Brown a hundred million dollars. Yeah, um, that that might be the the storyline to me too. The I, I guess one of the main ones because of the fact that you know I'd rather have five years of Traylon Burks on a rookie contract plus a third round pick than four of a hundred for AJ Brown, who without a doubt is really good. And I, I get it for the Eagles too because now you get to see what you really have. With a guy in uh, Jalen Hurts, yeah. they went up, got Jordan Davis. Mahomes, had, same concept with Mahomes when he first, and I don't think Hurts is as good as Mahomes, but the, the Chiefs said, as soon as this kid starts, there will be no complaints about the tools or, that are around him. Yeah. And I think the Eagles are, are doing something similar. That if if it's if, if he's going to fail, it's not going to be because they don't put enough around him. Yeah. But I want to start at the top of the draft. Um, Trayvon Walker was the first pick overall, and he was a guy that, you know, by most mock drafts are or not mock drafts, but uh, guys who rank these things out. Yeah. He was kind of in that like 14 to 20 range, which you don't really see that guy often going number one. He was firing at like 30 to one odds to be the number one pick about a month or two ago. Uh, and then as, as we got closer to draft day, it seemed like like that was almost a certainty that he was going to go number one. And you have a guy in Aiden Hutchinson who, you know, I get it. Like maybe Hutchinson is more, more of your really high floor, um, still high ceiling, but not like ceiling of – that he's going to be, you know, name your 20-sack player. Like, maybe mm -hmm. he's just a consistent 10- to 14-sack guy every year and still just a really good player, whereas Trayvon Walker, maybe athletically you think that he has a higher ceiling. But this, to me, feels like one of those moves that um, unless – I mean, if they're right on this, then they're going to get plenty just due for it. But, I mean, this feels like a move to me that in two, three, four years we're going to look back and say – yeah, that, that regime didn't make it, and it all circles back it to them taking there. Trayvon Walker number one overall. We talk, uh, we've talked off the air more, but but on the air some, about Tyson Jackson. Mm -hmm. And Tyson Jackson went third to the Chiefs, and I the, the guy that a lot of people wanted was the kid that wound up going fifth to Seattle, uh, who was a linebacker, and I've actually, I don't think he made 
did much after his rookie contract that I can't even remember his name. Uh, might have been Aaron. It something. was Aaron something from Wake Forest. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But anyway, the point is, it, it, Jacksonville fans. I'm, I'd be fascinated to hear Jacksonville talk radio because a lot of people would just call in when I listen. This was before I worked in in sports radio, but I listened to a lot of it, and I'd hear people call in. A lot of my friends would just. You know, they couldn't stand Tyson Jackson. And how are you playing this way when you were the number three overall pick? And it's like, what did you want Tyson Jackson to do? Say, right. no, I'm not good enough to be a third overall pick. Don't pick me here. Look at what the mocks have me at. I'm more at 18th or 20th. Just let them pick me. And I say the same thing about Walker. If he flames out, if in four years, and by the way, the, the, the storyline in Jacksonville, make no mistake, the storyline will be comparing Walker to, to Hutchinson. And if in if by the end of their rookie contracts, Walker is a rotation player, and Aiden Hutchinson has you know one defensive rookie of the year and has made an All Pro team and two more Pro Bowls, and that's what's going on, um, then then I don't know that the GM uh, will have lasted unless he did so many great things and the other picks that you know and and. Um, can't believe I forget, but their quarterback that they have, um, mm-hmm. you know, if, Trevor Lawrence, exactly with yeah. Lawrence, if he's slinging pig and they're winning playoff games, then this will just be a blip on the radar, and they'll be like, man, we go to the AFC Championship, but man, we remember when we took Walker, and it would just be th- something to laugh about. But if they're still going eight and ten or worse, and Walker's, you know, only a, a like a third down guy or something, um, they're going to be mad. How about this black helicopter conspiracy? The did the GM of the Jaguars? I want to be clear. I don't actually think this has happened because I don't want to slander somebody's name. But did the GM of the Jaguars make the bet for Walker at thirty to one? <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. He's like, I'll put nobody like, in Vegas is going to know who the GM of the Jackson right. Jacksonville Jaguars I'll put is. Ten million dollars down. No, I mean they they would have. In the same yeah, way no, Calvin Ridley not, got. Yeah. But yeah, it's that would be, very funny. If, it they, would be yeah, very funny. If they caught if they caught Calvin Ridley making fourteen hundred dollars or whatever right. it was worth of bets, they would have found this. So obviously just a joke, but um I, I Yeah, that I mean it I don't know. The, that that you know, that's the most fascinating and a it, real I know if you wanted to finish do you want to finish point on that? Because I want no, to do whatever. My next kind of most fascinating storyline after Walker v. Hutchinson is the run on wide receivers. Yeah, that was big. I, I want to kind of go through this like one by one. So like as we move down, um, Aiden Hutchinson uh, goes number two, and I think that you know uh, that's really cool. He could get to lead like his hometown team. Yep. I really liked what the New York teams did, and Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, one of those receivers. Uh, the Giants got Thibodeau and, and Evan Neal to kind of work on the line. But yeah, Drake London um, becomes the first receiver taken, and um, that started the run of receivers with London at, at eight to the Falcons, Wilson at 10 to the Jets, Alave at 11 to the Saints, which that was kind of interesting that they traded up and seemed to be in a win now, which doesn't seem to match where their cap is and, and where they their don't quarterback, really quarterback situation is. Uh, Jameson Williams goes 12 after a trade up to the Lions. What, 30 yeah. To, was it 32? So they went from 32 because they had the Rams first round pick. So they went from 32 to 12 to move up 20 picks. It only cost them a swapping of seconds. So to move down 12 picks in the second. And you said and exactly earlier. Fourth. You said earlier why? Well, yeah. Because I, I, they weren't the going for a quarter. There, right? Yeah. Um, and it just made trading up, I think, a little bit easier this year. Um, so I think that was interesting because that will be something. If Jamison Williams does turn in 
to like this all pro level receiver or something like that. And let's say whoever the Chiefs take, because the Chiefs are going to take a receiver. I feel very confident in that. Oh, yeah. Whether tonight, I would yeah, say tonight. Exactly. And if whoever the Chiefs take ends up being, you know, McCole Hardman 2.0 or a guy who isn't really impacting the team very much, I think we're going to look back on that with Jamison Williams and say, man, all you had to do to move yeah. up to get a guy that people were like, this isn't hindsight 2020. A lot of people were saying you should move up for Jamison Williams. It's going to look bad if that ends up being the case because that wasn't an overly uh, uh, like high asking price. I agree. Normally, if you're like, okay, you got to move up from 30 or 29 to 12 for a wide receiver, a lot of people immediately on the surface would say, no, that's not worth it at all. Because I think a lot of people would have thought you would have had to give up to move up from 29 to 12. I think some people would have thought you also would have had to package right. that 30th, mm-hmm. right? And you'd be spending two first-round picks on that guy. Um but uh, the fact that it's costing so little, and, and you go back to the Mahomes thing, nobody's going to look, nobody right now is looking, nobody in the Chiefs organization is looking at what they gave up to move up from 24, 27, wherever they were, up to 10 to get Mahomes. Nobody's sitting there going, well, this Mahomes guy's great, but look at the look at the draft you know, chart and, and the points that each one is. We actually gave up to him. Nobody's saying that because he's been so great. Um but now, because it's not a quarterback, because nobody's going, there are no. I mean, we'll see what Pickett becomes, but there, you would think there. You know, nobody thought there were franchise quarterbacks in this draft because none got taken till pick twenty. Um, and so, to me, you know, because it was so cheap on the surface, twenty nine to twelve, or in the case of the Lions, thirty two to twelve, seems like a big, big, expensive jump. But in this, in the case of this year's draft, it wasn't. Um, and the only the only concern I guess with um, with Williams is I I don't know if now because he fell out of the top five or six because he could be really great and with this ACL I do wonder um, if that means maybe people think he may not play I'm not reporting I'm just speculating but maybe people think he won't be able to play till like mid December or something like but again if he goes for a thousand yards in years two three four and five. After having to sit year one, nobody's going to care that he sat year one, and nobody's going to care what you gave up on him. Yeah, exactly, him. exactly. So uh, that'll be one I'm monitoring. The Ravens had a really interesting draft. Uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, who's like a good receiver for them. He's he's not great. He's not like Pro Bowl, but a very solid starting receiver can blow the roof off a of defense. Like big home run hitter of a receiver. They trade him away to the Cardinals, and yep. uh, interesting for the Cardinals because they already had like like they used like a second round pick on Rondell Moore last year. You have DeAndre Hopkins. You you signed AJ. Greenback, I, I don't know, maybe that, that means they don't really love the the way the injury is going with DeAndre Hopkins, but nonetheless, um, very interesting for a couple reasons for the Ravens. One, when they made that trade, I, I thought that it was, oh, you're giving up Marquise Brown, you're giving up a third-round pick to move into the first, you're going to take, you're going to do what we mentioned with the Titans, where they got Traylon Burks, and you're basically resetting your clock getting of not great, having to pay a guy. Exactly, a great receiver, but get him for right. cheap. And so I thought that's what they were going to do, and they ended up not. And I think they actually had like a really good first round. You got Kyle Hamilton, a guy who you know wouldn't be surprising if he won like defensive rookie of the year. He's just kind of a complete player. He's just not ultra flashy. Same thing for Tyler Linderbaum on the offensive line. Like he'll probably be a ten to twelve year starter for them at the center position. Um, but then you see Lamar Jackson on Twitter tweeting WTF. Not very happy with this. You look at the receiver core; it's not too good right now, and. I, I, I don't know. I just wonder, like, 
this has already turned into a situation with the Ravens where um, Lamar Jackson still is not signed a contract extension. He's yeah. representing himself. So anything that is said in contract negotiations becomes more personalized. Yeah, that's what, a big be, reason why a lot of people have agents is they don't want to sit in on the meetings yeah. and the team is pointing out their flaws. Could Lamar Jackson be the next quarterback on the move? He could. I'll like say this. Like big quarterback. Outside of like, you know, yeah, like yeah, Baker yeah, Mayfield yeah, 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 yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, what if the what if the Ravens are tipping their hand about what they actually think of Lamar Jackson? But wouldn't that be a good thing if they're investing less in the receivers? Or is that them that, or saying? Maybe, yeah, no, I, I'm more. Or is think, that them saying, "Hey, we're not going to be point. a good passing team no matter what. That's Let's a good, just be yeah, better at everything." Yeah, you're right. Maybe uh, the other. Yeah, you could also make the argument that they're saying, "No, we're not taking great wide receivers because we think Lamar is so good, he'll make any receiver better." That's a good point. I haven't thought about that. To me, what it suggests, and I want to be clear. I'm not low on Lamar Jackson. I just think he's the. I I, I just I, th- I I view him as the kind of guy that uh, you really. I'm not sure you can win with him on a big big contract. I think a lot of talent needs to be around him in order to win. Um, so that's where my thoughts here are coming. So I, I, I maybe that's informing this a little too much. And in two years, Lamar Jackson is is won a Super Bowl MVP, and and I'm way wrong. That's entirely possible. Uh, but to me, what it suggests is that they're going we need uh, a sh- you know a surefire defense you know um and then in this case they did get a you know they got a center with the other pick um after getting a safety yeah, with Linderbaum. With, yeah um that's a weird one i mean we talked we there was some talk last night about how weird it was that um Cole Strange from UT Chattanooga not only a small school but a guard going in the first round of the Patriots but I, you know, Iowa's a good school, and they always produce really good linemen, but a center is a heck of a— I don't know. Linderbaum's so good. He, dude, he you, got a Heisman think, vote. He's so good. You think even though the—but the value of the position— Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's argument pick. for that, but I I think, like, if we're going to look back on this, he's probably going to start in the—like, this is the talk. He's going to start in the NFL for 10 to 12 years. That's a good point. So if, like, if you get a if you get a, a, a consistent— In the late first. That's a good point. If you get a consistent center who's able to play average— you know, seventeen. If, you know, if you get a guy who shows up every week and you get twelve years out of him, that's a good point. No one's going to look back and go, "Boy, what he went thirty? He went twenty fifth. That was a bad pick." Mm-hmm. When in reality, probably would have gone. Where would he have gone in in the second round anyway? Thirty fourth. So it's not yeah. like he was supposed to go fiftieth and you took him twenty fifth. That's good. Um, but my point is, I, I do wonder if they're they're kind of planning for whether it be life without Lamar Jackson or they view Lamar Jackson as a guy that they need. A, a, a stiff defense um, to uh, you know to produce with with one of those first round picks going to safety. So then the first quarterback goes Kenny Pickett at number twenty. We'll see how how that does for the Steelers. Um, I mean they made the playoffs even without good quarterback play. And then you uh, kind of had the run after that. The most interesting team were drafted in the twenties uh, beyond. Outside of the Chiefs, you take the two first rounders. Um, which we talked about earlier in the show, is the Packers because they used two first-round picks on defensive players, which I don't have anything wrong with that. I mean, you get two good players, whatever. And I'm sure they're going to take receiver, maybe two in, in the coming round. So, again, not a big deal. And the whole idea of, like, oh, they're not supporting Aaron Rodgers. They never take receivers in the first round. Okay, well, they took a second-round pick on Devontae Adams, who was really good. They used a second-round pick on Jordy Nelson. Yeah. Uh, like, they, they invested in other guys I, I would argue less it's about, what well, they didn't use first-round picks and more they went – like they were so good at drafting, they right. got two they didn't need to. perennial all pro all pro caliber receivers 
using second-round picks. But what's interesting to me is this is now, this is a crazy stat. So go back to 2005. That's when Aaron Rodgers was drafted in the first round. Yeah. Since then, they have not even used a first-round pick on an offensive player, anything. Offensive line, running back, receiver. So that is weird. And you have Aaron Rodgers uh, going on the Pat McAfee show yesterday and saying that he thought as part of him coming back, Devontae Adams was going to be back. Now they don't take a receiver. There was a report earlier today from Ian Rappaport that uh, he wanted them to trade up or take Traylon Burks in the draft. Um, it's already kind of a shaky relationship there. I can't imagine that's going to do better. So I almost wonder if the Packers like overcompensate now and just be like, three receivers in the draft. <laughs> that's a good point. I uh, I hadn't heard, I knew he was on with McAfee last night. And, and it, was it a live show or did they record post-draft? I'm not sure. Regardless, um, that's I hadn't heard that. Look, it's it's one of those. Didn't what in his contract three years now? Yeah. Now look, he could he could force his way out of that. We've seen quarterbacks under contract do that all the time. Um, but it, that's just that's crazy because their defenses they that the team that won the Super Bowl when Aaron Rodgers was fantastic the year they won the Super Bowl, but that team also had a really good defense. They had a young B.J. Raji on a cheap rookie deal. A.J. Hawk was still kind of in his prime. Clay Matthews was uh, was great. They got Charles Woodson either for a, a cheap trade or free agency. Um, but you would think the fact that they've used all those first-round picks on the defensive side, it's not like they've put out the, you know, the 70s steel curtain right. on defense. No, no. I can't remember a year where they've had just like a top-five defense. So that'll be something to monitor. All right, more draft tonight. He's Adam Bravada. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk.